I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You are listening to the Starling Tribune, a podcast dedicated to the Arrow TV show. I am the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow has entered through the front door. This podcast is not produced or maintained by The CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, situations, and stories are the properties of Time Warner. I am the Oracle, and this is your Tribune. Welcome back to Earth 2's favorite newspaper. We call it the Starling Tribune. I am the chief editor tonight. My name is SP, and your other award-winning reporters for this episode number 243 are Chris. Ugh, sounds like the annual crossover. I hate that pesky thing. Let's just skip it this year. And Michelle. I got 12 gauges of fun right here. 12 gauges. Yeah, baby. This podcast is recorded on Thursday, June 13th, 2019, live on www.geeks.live. That's right. And this evening, we'll be discussing Legends of Tomorrow, as well as news, interviews, articles, and announcements that have dropped in the last week that could, and let's be honest, probably will impact future episodes of Legends Tomorrow, as well as the greater universe. That includes shows like The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, and anything else they come up with between now and September. If you're new to the show, thank you for searching us out on the internet and joining us. After the show, you can check out our content at gunnageek.com, where you can also find other geeky videos, podcasts, and articles. Thanks, guys. Michelle, let's just get right into the episode. This episode is called Legends of Two Meow Meow. It's season four, episode eight. It aired Monday, December 10th, 2018. It's directed by Ben Hernandez Bray. Credits include three episodes of Arrow, three Legends, and two Supergirl. Written by James Egan. Credits include two episodes of Reaper, three Hellcats, and seven Legends. And Ray Uchanichit. Credits include two Person of Interest, one Flash, one Supergirl, and 13 episodes of Legends. It was a fun episode, and I give most of the credit to the creative team, because without them, I don't think they could have pulled this off. So thank you, Ben, James, and Ray. You guys made this a fun episode, at least for me to watch. We'll discuss it in a second. But before we do that, what we're going to do is we're going to step back to December 2018, the week that this episode aired. And we're going to go over all the ratings for the CW comic book shows that were on during the week. There were five shows that were on that week. It started on Sunday, the 9th of December, with an out-of-cycle episode of The Flash. Yes, The Flash was on Sunday with the ninth episode of their fifth season with the crossover part one titled Elseworlds part one and a total rating of 3.51 million viewers. This is live plus seven day DVR viewers. So this is all the views they got throughout the week on Monday, the 10th of December, 2018 arrow aired the ninth episode of the seventh season called Elseworlds part two, part of the great crossover this past year to a total rating of 3.46 million that is close to the flash on sunday that's awesome to see following arrow this episode that we're talking about tonight of legends of tomorrow aired with a total rating of 1.84 million viewers so about half of what the crossover got 
On Tuesday, the 11th of December, 2018, Supergirl, another out of cycle show, aired the ninth episode of the fourth season, Elseworlds Part 3. This was the end of the crossover for the year to a total rating of 3.53 million. And following Supergirl Black Lightning, which was not in the crossover, just like Legends of Tomorrow, aired the ninth episode of the second season titled The Book of Rebellion, Chapter 2, The Gift of the Magi, to a total rating of 1.70 million, the lowest of the week. Guys, this is interesting to me because Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl all aired kind of out of cycle, but they all garnered 3.5 million viewers for the crossover. That's actually great to see that everybody wanted to watch all three episodes. Crossover mojo, man. It's a big deal. Gotta say, Chris, you were right. Legends did not get that sweet, sweet bump from the crossover. That's what I was afraid of. This is not where I wanted to be right. Normally, I want to be right. Not here. It was a really good episode, too. All right, so let's talk about the episode and the overall theme. By the way, in researching this episode, I spied into the uh, Twitter account of the three, and it was interesting that they were actually, they, they took a picture of their whiteboard and how they were actually naming the episode. So there was like 15 names that they could go with. And then there was a couple of check marks in a circle around Legends to Meow Meow. So it was it was interesting. They actually had a bunch of choices to name the episode. And this is what they named it. But so that's what they named it. And oftentimes we relate the theme of the episode to the name of the episode. And so, Michelle, what do you got there? Well, our beloved Zari spends a lot of the episode as a cat. And a cat that everyone seems to be able to communicate with. I loved it. How Charlie's having conversations with her. Constantine's having conversations with her. Cat Zari can even operate the uh, touch controls of the Wave Rider. It was just really adorable, especially when she comes out of it. She coughs off the hairball and she's like, do you know where this tongue has been? That's a great line. Places. Ooh. I love that cat. That was like one of the best cat actors because cats can be kind of fickle on screen this was a great cat that they got but that was amazing how she was a cat i liked how zari was communicating with john constantine and the wave rider and and they were actually talking back and forth i don't know if john speaks cat or if it was magic he was using or whatever but the cat just reached out and pawed him when he was like i don't want to send des down to hell and the cat just reaches over and paws him at that specific time against his forearm that was against the seat so that was really neat that they got the cat to do that i don't know if the cat was just doing that playfully and it was just like exactly on cue or or how they did it but it it was great to see that yes in this episode really the only way to talk about it is how constantine broke time this wave went out freezing time and that's how Zari becomes a cat and Charlie's like oh my goodness Zari you're a cat well okay we'll get that fixed but first I want to do something fun and she goes back to 1962 Las Vegas and it's not just that Zari's a cat we find there's a magical creature there a leprechaun and usually you know the legends come in and they capture deal with the magical creature charlie thinks she's just going to be out running the legends as she knows them but instead we get this great 80s retro entrance of 
Ray, Nate, Rory, and Grima, Ray all rambled up. Because these are not our legends, are they, Chris? It's a very alternate take of them. They take no prisoners, I think is the best way to put it. And they have a very A-team vibe to them. I think they just had an 80s vibe. Well, A-team, I guess. But you could say any of the 80s TV or film genre where it was that red writing with the line in between the letters. It was just very 80s. And the Time Bureau is frightened of the custodians of the chronology. <laughs> Ooh, don't say that term. Ooh. I mean, even Hank Haywood is frightened of them and wants them arrested and wants them stopped. I don't think he was frightened. He was mad at them. He, he wanted to bring them in and, and give them a stern talking to. This episode just has a lot of favorite exchanges, but Charlie as Gary running into Gary Gary knows a shape changer is on the loose, but Gary believes Charlie when she's like, I'm you from the future. Which is a good answer. I mean, wouldn't you, if you ran into yourself and you gave yourself that explanation, wouldn't you be like, oh, okay, I got this. This is the back to the future too. We're probably not talk to each other too much. So what do you need me to do? You know, something like that. Not even thinking that it might be a change being so shapeshifter and also what is with calling the shape changer a white whale throughout this entire episode i didn't is there some sort of mythology that it's a white whale or just that she was the key to everything so she was the white whale well the white whale is um, a reference to moby dick ahab's obsession and each version, whether it's the custodians of the chronology or the sirens of space time, who's my favorite, <laughs> they're always after the shape changer. And they're like obsessed with finding her. And I think that's why they call her the white whale. And realistically, if you could somehow use those powers or adapt them into something you could make use of for your things, very powerful tool. All right, guys, I got to ask. So we take the legends through some different variations. So you have the Cussians of the chronology, you have the Sirens of space time, and you also had the Puppets of Tomorrow. Which ones were your favorite, Chris? Puppets of Tomorrow. I'm a sucker for puppets. Michelle, you were Sirens of space time? Oh, yes. The whole Charlie's Angels even went in and was like, good morning, Hank. And... The code names, of course, Sarah was the White Canary, but Ava was Roundhouse, Gideon, Hard Drive. We got to see actually Amy Pemberton in her, not just the voice, but we got to see her. And I love it how the writers can just find any way to actually bring her human form onto the show. It's just really interesting. All these changes come about because Charlie thinks if you just change, this one thing, everything will be fixed. And she's finding out that's not the case. Time is hard. So you get Amy Pemberton not only as a physical being in the Sirens of the Space Time, but you also get her as a full-on human visage in the computer in the first round when it was the Custians of the Chronology. So she was in there twice as a human, while Zari was the cat. It was kind of flipped, right? Because Zari was the cat and Amy Pemberton got to come out as Gideon. Uh, so that was really cool. 
my favorite, by the way, since I didn't get a chance to say, Michelle, I'm right there with you with the Sirens of Space Time because Amy Pemberton got to be a physical being there and the whole Charlie's Angels vibe and everything. But I got to go with Chris here. The Puppets of Tomorrow, it was just fun. It was wacky. It was totally unexpected. And it played on the, uh, the Mike the Spike, which, by the way, at the end of the previous episode, I was like, oh, what's going to happen? They didn't show what happens. Well, it took an entire episode to get there. So I won't spoil the ending right yet, but it took an entire episode to get to the point where they were at the end of the previous episode. My favorite of the Puppets of Tomorrow was finding out how they became that way when Rory called them puppets of the Time Bureau and they actually turned into puppets. And Rory and their fairy godmother are like the awesome crime duo, just like got those guns going, the fairy godmother, you know, with the sunglasses. And they're just like, yeah, we're on a crime spree here. Don't cross the fairy godmother. She is wicked when she wants to be. I mean, it, she can be nice when she wants to be too, but she can be wicked. And because Charlie actually became her for a part of the show, right? To try to get, uh, what was her name? The kid? Prudence. Try to get Prudence to release her. And it was great seeing the fairy godmother playing charlie and of course charlie is is oh my gosh you you got so many people playing so many other people this was just a fun episode it's hard to wrap your head around it but it was just fun if you just let it go it's just fun it's like your your friends get around for the weekend and they do some sort of improv or stand up or something like that and you just do it for each other sort of thing and you just laugh about it and and then you just go on with life this is what legends of tomorrow is it's this them having fun with us just getting to watch some fun cool stuff so thank you very much i think we said it at the time if they couldn't be part of the crossover at least it was a good fun episode for us to watch exactly Now, I wish the ratings had been about double what they ended up being, but at least it was a good, fun episode. I think this gets a lot of online plays and Netflix views because a lot of people, like critics still love it. They talk about, especially I think io9 really enjoys it. They love talking about it and just how... Rolling Stone as well. Yeah, just how crazy this show is, how fun this show is. And it's like more people just need to watch this fun stuff. But when you know it's going to be on Netflix after a while... I think that's probably what people do. Not much longer, I wager. I think there's rumors that Netflix deal, once it expires, they will not renegotiate it. And you'll probably have to go and get the DC app or something like that. Yeah, but until then. Yep. One thing I specifically liked about this episode is I'm a sucker for world building and, and story building and stuff like that. One thing about this episode is you got to go back in time and you got to go see a lot of the important moments throughout the first half of the season you got to see the unicorn episode you got to go back to uh see prudence and the whole thing with the fairy godmother so you got to go back and see different parts of the season i I just think it was great how they were able to integrate that in as well and keep in mind at this point in time hank was really being painted as a bad guy we've had a couple of scenes with him where he is totally trying to use the magical creatures as weapons basically and it was so great i'm just going to spoil this we already ran the news story that they loved him so much as an actor on set that they were like we can't make this guy a bad guy anymore we got to turn him good so they abandoned that storyline in the second half of the season i haven't watched it yet but i'm looking forward to seeing his turn to the to the good side and i'm just looking forward to that 
It's amazing. And then, of course, we got a montage of Charlie just keeps trying to fix it and trying to fix it and try to fix it. And she uses the plaques as a key. And in one of them, Ava's dead, then Henry and Nate are dead. And then Gary is died at Mount Vesuvius. And she sort of pauses. And then she realizes that she needs to go back and fix it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's only Gary. I mean, yeah, maybe we can live with this. No, no, you need to bring Gary back. But then there's no plaques. There's no plaques. We did it. And then we get Zari. But Constantine collapses because in this sort of fractured reality, Constantine's actually remembering each and every timeline and his brain basically overheats. I'm surprised it held together as, as long as it did, because how many times did they change the timeline? Yeah, he had, what, six different lifetimes worth of memories all in one place, basically? It was more than that. I mean, the montage was made it seem like it was over and over and over again. So you have no idea how many times that they tried to fix it. And then Constantine is able to go back to New Orleans, find Desmond, use the flashy thing. I didn't think he was going to flashy thing him, but he did. And it was like, okay, so that's the way out of it. So you flashy thing him, you get rid of the breakup, and then you're just right back into it. I think it was a good way to do it. And so perfect timing on us watching this episode where they use the flashy thing, because as we record this, Men in Black International drops tomorrow, where you know they'll play with their flashy thing a lot, too. Flashy thingy. Not thing. Thingy. Sorry, I apologize. I have done us wrong by saying flashy thing instead of thingy. You have insulted the Men in Black universe. Well, if that means Tessa Thompson or Chris Hemsworth are going to come discipline me, I'm okay with this. Oh, I see. A little S&M with the uh, mm, Tessa and Chris. Okay, okay. Just saying. Who, who would say no? No one's going to say no to that. I don't think you could say no, because Chris Hemsworth would bend you and break you. You'd have nothing that you could do about it. Yeah, he has slimmed down since Endgame. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> So, SP, what did you think of when Ray went killer? Even though he went killer, he was like a benevolent killer. He's like, oh, I called it, guys. I want to kill her. I want to kill the shapeshifter stuff. And so, yeah. He's still goofy and awkward, so it works. It's like a little kid playing Rambo. You know, he had the bandana on his head and everything, just like out of Rambo. So they were trying to be Rambo. They just didn't pull it off, or Predator, or whatever you want to call it from that era. But Rambo is the iconic figure that way. So Brandon Routh, if he wanted to, he could probably pull it off. I could see a real mean acting ability coming from him. He just never shows it. And quite honestly, I don't want to see it. I, I want to see good, happy-go-lucky Brandon Routh. So the thing is, I love AU stories, those alternate universe things where you take a character you know and you twist them up a little bit different and change them. But they're smart here. They left him recognizable enough trait-wise. It's like, oh, it's Ray, but Ray's just a little twisted up and different. It wasn't like you were like, the hell's Brandon Routh doing? This is nothing like Ray Palmer. So you still had goofy Ray. They got kind of that S-eating grin on his face when they were doing stuff. He gets excited, like, oh, man, I called it, stuff like that. So he called back to the character we know. But it was also twisted, so I really liked it. And remember, the thing that sets him off is the death of Sarah, somebody that he's been with for, what, four years now? So, it, yeah, that, that would cause me to flip a switch as well if somebody killed my captain like that. And it was this new 
the magical creature set. And I knew they were responsible. I'd go after him too. I mean, I, I see where he's coming from. Yeah, me too. And we find out that it's not just Constantine breaking the timeline that's the problem. Their attitude is this way because they never met Charlie. Well, there's two things. First of all, they had to set the timeline right by having Constantine part of the team. So he was a constant in defeating the magical creatures. But she, Charlie, was integral in the team, Sarah specifically, understanding that not all magical creatures are bad and that you didn't have to kill all magical creatures. So the two of them combined were the keys into writing the timeline. Exactly. And then once it's fixed, then we get the resolution of the Mike the Spike because we get that time wave. Ray and Rory's simultaneous, you know, firing gets stopped. And then instead of Sarah trying to kick Charlie or whatever, she ends up kicking the, the puppet. And then we find out that, yes, they're going to finally put the puppet in the anti-magic chamber like we hope they had done before. Should have been one of the first moves. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I loved how that cinematography works. So at the end of the last episode, they're like, okay, so we have to set it up so it's the same as the end of this next episode. So they clearly show, you know, they do that uh, Matrix move where Sarah's stopped in midair with a wonderful midair roundhouse. I don't even know what to call that move, but she's in the air. She's got one leg that's kilted a little bit and the other is out ready to connect with Mike the Spike at the end of the last episode. They put her in the same pose in the end of this episode as she is trying to kill Charlie, who is very resilient. Did we know that she could come back from the death as as much as she did before this episode? I don't think we did. Well, she mentioned that one of the reasons why she wants to get her powers back is because if she can't shapeshift, she's basically mortal and she can age and such. Uh, Yeah, right. So anyway, she's gonna get kicked. And it's going to hurt. She could still survive because she has her powers back at that point. But she's going to get kicked. And then, boom, the time wave hits. And then she trades place with the puppet Mike the Spike. And then Mike the Spike gets booted across the room. Like you do any stuffed animal and puppet that you have problems with. Because, well, let's face it, we all have one that we have a problem with. So this Mike the Spike was the one. It just so happens to be the puppet of dr stein so it's like eh, don't kick dr stein no i'm sad yeah and then we had a great bonding moment where rory comes in and he's like i made yours made snickerdoodles with ava's recipe and ava read roy's book and she's like your female characters are derivative but this is so much fun <laughs> why are they having sex on the sun <laughs> it's a metaphor it's a metaphor <laughs> yeah and Rebecca Silver, nom de plum. <laughs> yeah, I wish Neil was here because he can actually do the voice. But yeah, Mick Rory, played by Dominic Purcell, he's got that voice. I mean, it's hard to see that voice or hear that voice anywhere else in television, but he's got nom de plum. That's about the closest I can get the voice. And it's not right. I get it. But yeah, it's fun talking like Dominic Purcell. And he just, he knows how to deliver his lines. I hope he's having fun on set because. Uh, He had a little bit of difficulty with the CW universe a few years ago, but I just hope he's having fun on set because this this show is fun. Also, he's doing the last season or reboot or whatever of Prison Break too, right? I think they've already finished that. I don't know if they're doing any more Prison Break now. Okay. 
and I still want to read that book. It's like, I want my stuffed Bebo from last year. That's what I want. I want to curl up with a stuffed Bebo and a Rebecca Silver novel and just spend my weekend that way. So Disney partnered with Marvel and put out Richard Castle comic books from the series Castle, and they also published Richard Castle books under ABC's banner. There were like three different ones that are, of course, ghostwritten by other people, but credited to Richard Castle on like Naked Heat and Heat Wave and all of the books he wrote on the TV show. So it's not unheard of. Maybe we get it. Okay, so that's Disney and ABC, and this is Warner Brothers and CW. So are you seeing the level of commitment here? Yeah, but I would argue you probably have a more rabid fan base who would actually buy those books than you did of Castle fans who are like, I'm going to buy a book that's described in a TV show I watch peripherally that I don't know much about that's about characters that are based off ones in a TV show I watch. I don't think it takes much to make a digital book anymore. I mean, I see them for sale all the time for 99 cents or a buck 99 for from private authors. This would be done by the studio, so they'd want a little bit more kickback. But you could do an ebook on this really cheap. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to do it. I'm sure there's someone that's written a fanfic of it. You could probably go to any of the fanfic sites and go to the Legends Tomorrow section and find a fanfic take on Mick Rory's book. A Rebecca Silver's book. Excuse me, Rebecca Silver's book. And Constantine finally tells Sarah the absolute truth. Over drinks, which you can only do on the Wave Rider with those two. Yeah. Then we learn about Neron, and then we are taken to a golf course with Hank on the phone, upset that the copay has been released. And then we see Desmond. Well, is it Desmond? What appears to be Desmond. Let's rephrase. Yeah, we see a face which I'm not even sure if we got the true essence of the face, but it it turned into, I don't know, the best way I can describe it. It's kind of like a lava mask over with lava cracks and everything in the face or like a rock, maybe like the thing, a little bit like the thing, but a lot smoother. I like it. With no facial features. So it's just a head without a, a face. Yeah, letting us know that that may look like Desmond, but that's actually Neron. So, Chris, is there anything else about the episode you want to talk about? I cannot think of anything off the top of my head. This one's fun. I enjoyed all the Zari cat moments. Oh, the one thing I didn't forget to mention. I enjoyed Zari getting turned human while she's sitting in the backpack. And then you've got the actress sitting in the backpack like, oh, what? (laughs) It was well done. Again, at the end of last episode, I'm like, uh, Zari's getting a little bit of the shaft here because she's just trying to pull everything together and they make her a cat, which, okay, I, they they brought her out of it. Everybody was a double or an alternate timeline or, or whatever. I just think the cat, I mean, it could have been, maybe it could have been done a little cuter. I don't know. But it, in the end, you know, she becomes human again. And that's really what matters. And not only that, but she uses her powers at the end, too. Exactly. What about you, SP? Anything else? Just glad that they found the freaking anti-magic chamber because they're going to need it for the rest of the season here. Uh, we have one more episode before the mid-season finale, and then there's a long break. And we're going to go week, one week to the next week without a break here. But just so everybody knows that there was a long break because they didn't come back until April, was it? Right? Yeah, this was the mid-season finale. And then it came back. It was at least three months, if not four months, when they actually came back. Wow. 
and we're all sitting there going, ugh, you know, and, and uh, I'll be honest, I, I've had issues with the Supergirl uh, season this year, so that wasn't really grabbing me. Everything that we were learning about Arrow came out in the second half of the season, and, and we learned that the next season was going to be the last uh, we had a bunch of speculation going about the crossover. We were right about some things. So kudos to you two and, and me, I guess, for, for calling that one. But then the other thing that we had going on was The Flash. And that was give and go. It would have been nice to have a fun show <laughs> during the midst of all that is all I'm trying to say. And to have Legends that was pushed off into the 1st of April. Okay. We didn't go through the dark times of the winter with Legends of Tomorrow, but I think it would have made it a little bit lighter for the rest of the shows. And Black Lightning got pretty dark at the end, too. Uh, so it's not our call. CW's call. They have more shows than they have primetime slots, so they got to make some adjustments somewhere. Yes, I, I like Zari's little comment about how trying to correct time and sort of breaking it is like a rite of passage of becoming a legend. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I guess Constantine is a true legend now, right? And so is Charlie, because they were in on it together. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting because Charlie's got <laughs> the, the recognizable face, but it is a different character. So you're, you're right. Well, as we said, this was the mid-season finale. In the ninth episode, Luca de Esprestas aired Monday, April 1st. So again, we had that long drought. I'm sorry. I mentioned that there was one more episode. There was not. That this was the mid-season finale. Yes. Okay. So this was the last one. I, I'm all new from now on. It's new stuff. So I'm looking forward to this episode. When the legends hear that Mona has let a fugitive go, they must head to 1961 Mexico City to clean up her mess. Mona tries to convince the legends and the Bureau that the people responsible for releasing the fugitive were some mysterious men in black and not her. Directed by Andrew Cash, Written by Kido Shimitsu and Tyron B. Carter. Hey, what's that? What? No news? What are you talking about? Oh, okay. Well, sorry guys, we don't have any news this week because, well, there was a lot going on with like some video game announcements and stuff like that. So NBA Finals, NHL Finals, Stanley Cup, congratulations St. Louis Blues. You know, so yeah, there's some stuff going on. So we didn't have any news. So we're hoping to get some news next week, but we didn't have any news this week. So sorry for those that stick around for the news. But that all being said, folks, it is time for us to start wrapping this thing up. So a big thank you to everyone who did participate in the live video stream of this over at Geeks.Live. But also a giant thank you to those of you that download the uh, video replay over at YouTube.com slash geek or the audio replay over at StarlingTribune.com. We've been saying this for a while, but if you happen to have an Amazon smart device, you can enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Starling Tribune, for that matter, as a skill. And also, we have a Discord server at gonnageek.com slash Discord. There's a lot of fun stuff that happens over there. Michelle chimes in, I chime in, Chris chimes in. So there is a Starling Tribune channel on the Discord, but there's also like a TV and film channel, which we talk about this sort of stuff as well. And just a whole bunch of other great stuff. So go ahead, check that out, gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, you can always catch us live as we record at Geeks.Live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and 4.30 p.m. Pacific on Thursdays. There is a live chat, and we do interact with you as much as we can. We would love to hear from you. We are the Starling Tribune on Facebook and Instagram, at Starling Tribune on Twitter, and you can call us at 612-888-CAVE. 
That's 612-888-2283. Well, this brings us to the end of another great episode. Any last words before we sign off? At Stargate Pioneer. Hashtag Rebecca Silver. At the Chris Farrell. Hashtag my nom de plume is Haas. That doesn't even make any sense. There's no Haas in the show. That's my thing. I got to put it everywhere. <sighs> I got a shtick, man. You got to make the shtick fit. Then the shtick didn't fit with this episode. It didn't last week and I did it too. <laughs> it fits. I'm sorry. It fit last episode because I made it fit for you. So we had that whole barista Haas thing during the episode. We didn't discuss Haas this episode. It's always there. <sighs> you don't want to come up with another one? No, I'm good with what I did. All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I am at Michelle Ely signing off with hashtag meow, 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 meow. Oracle, I think we're done here. This was the Starling Tribune. You can leave us feedback at gunnageek.com or check out our archive at starlingtribune.com. Visit gunnageek.com for more podcasts. Music by Kevin McLeod can be found at incompetech.com. This podcast is not produced or maintained by the CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, stories, and situations are the property of Time Warner. No infringement is intended. We will see you for the next episode of CW's Arrow.